you lost. Hey, Jeannie. Hi. <laughs> it is the sixth episode of Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> no, I'm not. no, I'm so excited. Oh, my God. I've learned so much. We've covered so many really interesting topics, and we have a lot more lined up for the rest of the season, but we've gotten a ton of great emails, too. It's so true. And I love the notes folks have sent in, you know, telling us how the tactics have worked for them. Keep spreading the word, y'all, and do send us your tactics. Remember, if you've ever had a job, you are a tactician. Yes, you are. We've also gotten a lot of stories from listeners about stuff they're facing at work and requests for tactics to counter that stuff. Yes. And that's actually a little bit harder for us to answer. So we're going to be responding to some of those stories and questions today. And we brought in some muscle to help. Massive muscle. Mm-hmm. So master tactician Keita Williams. And if you listen to the show, you know Keita because she was on our Manterrupting Coworker episode. She does PR for tech companies, has a podcast of her own called Success Bully, and runs her own business, also called Success Bully. And... Kita, we have so many questions. Yay. Well, for you thank to you help for us with this me. episode. Mm, I'm so excited. So are y'all ready for this? Get yes. Ready. Let's get to it, Jeannie. Yes. This is Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. I'm Eula Scott Bino. I'm Jeannie Yandel. And yes, your workplace is sexist. Even if you'd never write into a podcast. And even if you sent us a letter saying we're sexist for saying your workplace is sexist. Yeah, we've totally gotten those emails. Oh my god, we get those emails all the time. So our first question comes from a woman named Joanne. Mm -hmm. Here's her email. I am naturally an upbeat, outgoing, and bubbly person. Because of that, people always assume that because I am so upbeat and bubbly, I must be an idiot. For the record, (laughs) I have a bachelor's degree, Mm. a master's degree, Mm. and a graduate professional certificate. And I'm only 29. However, because I am upbeat, People talk down to me and ask my less qualified, often male, coworkers for help. They don't take my ideas seriously and they degrade my qualifications. Is there any way you could provide some tactics to overcome this problem? Oh, I have I have a couple thoughts. I sketched them down. For yes, Kita. It sounds like the problem is just being taken seriously. Yes. And so a uh, couple thoughts on that one. Uh, this is going to sound really off color, but like watch the upward tonation. Oh, if everything you're saying sounds like it's a question, people tend to not take it seriously. So I was there and I said this. If everything and every statement out of your mouth, uh, especially if you're laying out a strategic plan, Mm -hmm. ends with upward tonation, it sounds like you are not confident. And it also sounds like you're guessing. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, and that's something you can practice in your bathroom mirror, just like how you present statements because that little tweak you'll find that you you come across like you're owning the space right so like Confident. that that i don't know if you're an upward tonator but try that one <laughs> yeah walk around in it let me know how it works okay and so that's one little nugget uh the other thing is show up as the best version of yourself mm-hmm. you know be prepared um i always think in threes so when I present an idea, I think with three bullet points, this is this, this and this. This mm. is why we're doing it. This, this and this. And the human brain can't process more than three points at a time. So if you could think of it in three bullet points, you know, you come across tighter. You come across like, you, you know, you you came to win. Right. Like I thought this through and this is why it's going to work. And here's my three points. We had a radio trainer who told us the same thing. Like, you can't do more than three things at a time. It's amazing. Yeah. It's such a small yeah. tactic. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about this question, too, and I found myself channeling 
um, another guest, Ginger McKnight Chavers, who was our guest on the Beyonce episode. Mm-hmm. And she talked about, I know, I know, you, nobody's in the room with us, but Kita's talking, mouthing that she loved it. Um, we love Thank Ginger. You. But she talked about the idea of getting clear on where you want to go in your career. And then the path sort of becomes clear as well. And it occurred to me that like with Joanne, how many times have we had to pick battles? You know what I mean? It's like, it sucks to not be taken seriously in many ways all the time, but you are going to wear yourself out if you confront every single one of those times. So if it's possible, it might be helpful to strategize on which moments you want to address and which ones you just want to let go. And I think, too, maybe working on a really good intro. Like even what you're saying in terms of like with your boss, be really tactical about how you react with, you know, you interact with that person. Also be really tactical about how you introduce yourself the first go round, because so often first introductions can be people's deciding factor of categorization of a person. So when you first introduce yourself, maybe have your three points really be your title, what you actually do and how valuable you are to everybody here in this room, because people will hear that, you know, and then they'll never declassify you. That's Absolutely. a good point. Come in strong. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> so we've got another letter. Yes. So our next letter is from Catherine. She works in retail and posted this in our Facebook group. She says, I work with a large company and recently had a store meeting where we basically go over how the company as a whole is doing. It's like a giant cheerleading get together. I've worked at a place like this. Before. <laughs> a higher, mm-hmm. So a higher up in the company and my store manager were very proud to announce that neither had n- ever, never, ever called in sick. Both have spent 20 plus years with the company, both men. I feel like these are privileged statements, not outright sexist, but it's gotten further and further under my skin. So many women have to call in to care for sick family members or because of, you know, cramp suck. Yes, they do. One of them is a father, which means he's never called in sick if his kids got sick. Am I being overly sensitive as a mom to a three-year-old or is it just another example of ways women are being oppressed in small ways? Kita, what do you think? Perfect attendance and not using your sick time is not a badge of honor. You know, like, glad you're 100% healthy, but you probably came into work with a cold and gave it to everybody else. Yes. You this know? is exactly what I was thinking when I read you this You probably letter. have gotten everyone else sick. Yes. And, like, I think that uh, this is uh, an, a really interesting thing that I think that uh, when you look at, uh, you know, I'm not a super expert on this, but, like, when you look at how other countries work, and how they're they have shorter work weeks and less hours that they're putting into uh, driving company initiatives. It's almost like we are encouraged and rewarded to wear ourselves out. Yes, right. Which there is a better way to work, <laughs> right? You know? And I think that it, it unfairly penalizes women who have to who have these. You have your mom CEO role, and then you still have your full time job. And so, like, um, I, th- I think it's unfair, but how do you um, how do you create that change? How do you create a a, a dialogue around how you're using your sick time? And, and, yeah. and that, that gets into crossing into legalities and that sort of thing, because most of the time I can't even tell you why I'm sick <laughs> from, a, from an HR standpoint or or like I don't have to disclose that kind of information. What do you think she could do about her relationship with these men who yeah. are making it seem like calling out is, you know, Something to be ashamed of. Yeah, that feels like the bigger question. It's not like, is this sexist? I think, yeah, it is. But like then, but what do you do about it? Well, I think like 
if it was a, a one-on-one conversation and let's we've we've called this guy Gary before right? <laughs> so let, if Gary got in my face about his Gary, perfect, Gary. Uh, Gar- oh Gary if Gary got in my face about his perfect attendance and not using his sick time I would probably say something along the lines of oh my goodness it must be awesome to be in perfect health mm. good on you yep some of us don't have that option and I would like chop her out yes <laughs> that's great that's, that's it. yeah but i wouldn't um necessarily be, nice. be in such great health it mm-hmm. must be so nice mm-hmm. Look at you. i wanted to say like i don't know what what Catherine's position is within this company whether she manages people or is a leader or anything like that but i had a boss once who she specifically talked about leading by example mm-hmm. which meant she took sick time when she didn't feel well um and so, Catherine, if that's available to you to lead by example, you have access to sick time. You can think about starting your own little counterculture and be open with people about why you're doing it. You know, that's an OK thing to do, too. You can talk about sick time. It is easier to do that than to talk about money. You can definitely talk about sick time with your coworkers if you are comfortable doing that without disclosing things that are personal to you. I would talk about sick time forever. I have lots of thoughts about sick time, but we have a bunch more questions to get to, including writing an inclusive dress code, navigating women-dominated and women-led workplaces, and moving forward after experiencing workplace harassment. All that's after the break. We're back with more of your questions. And this first one is from Kira. Uh She's a librarian in North Carolina. Uh And she wants to know more about gender policing in so-called pink-collar jobs, right? These are jobs like nursing, librarianship, daycare, where most of the workforce is comprised of women. Kira writes, I've noticed women policing other women when deviating from already sexist gender norms in the workplace. She's talking about stuff like emotional labor, party planning, uh, sublimating competition, that kind of thing. So first of all, Kita, have you ever seen or experienced women policing other women at work? Oh, yes, of course. Um, (laughs) I was recently asked about my thoughts on the design of the office and like giving feedback on how we can make the office prettier. Oh. And I like that's not my core job function. Like I have some referrals for you. Um, for people that do that, but that's not my area of expertise. Even yeah. the referrals isn't your job. No, no. I was being nice. Yeah, <laughs> you were being nice. <laughs> and I did, I'm a, a fan of per our conversation emails. Oh. Yeah, like per our conversation. Yeah. Outlining this is not my area of expertise. Yeah. But here are three power women, women promoting other women, <laughs> mm-hmm. who can help with this. How would you suggest Kira approach this? I th- I'm guessing she's asking the question because she is experiencing this kind of policing. Like she has other women kind of suggesting she's not being the right kind of person at work. I feel like uh, in those situations where, you know, someone is bringing you to task, asking a simple question. So why would why do you feel that way? Or why would you assume that I would do that? And like call them, give them a- Approach it with a question that basically um, makes them admit to their sexism or their their racism or whatever or their it bias. is, yeah. whatever bias you're experiencing. Like, well, what about me? Yeah, would make you assume that I would plan all of the parties at the office. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because she's saying this is coming from other women. Yep. Which I think for, for a lot of times, maybe they're trying to give you tools on how to navigate the workspace that they've been able to survive in for so long. Maybe. And so it's meant to come off helpful. But at the same time, 
helping them understand just because that's the way it worked for you doesn't mean we're going to keep doing that for another generation of the workforce. Oh, absolutely. I think that there's the there there's like the sorority mentality that uh, can easily uh, fall into place in a, a female dominated space. Like um, this is the first time in my corporate career where uh, I'm in a leadership position and it's mostly guys that report into me, which is strange for PR. And so like I've, I've kind of been in a space where like it's it, what's a group of women? Are we a gaggle of women? Uh, <laughs> we're a murder of women. We're a murder of women. <laughs> and it, like, like it. this old, like the whole older generation. I had it hard because and you need to have it hard because I had it hard. No, no, no. None of us need to have it hard. Actually, I need your your leadership and your support. Like, right. I don't I shouldn't have to live this the same way that you did. Mm. But previous like. You've experienced this at a different time. Your career started at a different space-time continuum than mine. We don't need to replicate those things over and over. Yep. Like, wow. I mean, I will say this is something I've learned again and again doing research for the shows we've done is that there's, you know, there's tons of evidence that women have loads of biases against other women. And that stuff shows up in, you know, like gender policing is definitely one way that shows up. Like, you know, if I don't think you're being the right kind of woman, I might act as though I'm trying to help you. But really what I'm doing is playing out my own stuff in my head. I love your idea of just asking really neutral questions. W5 and how questions. <laughs> right. What makes you say that about me? Like, is, it, is it something I'm wearing today? Yeah. yeah, what, yeah. To be, yeah. I'm a party planner. Why do you think this is a problem? <laughs> I mean, those are great neutral. And Kira, maybe you've already tried this. I would love to know how those conversations go. If you haven't tried this yet and you you are willing to try Definitely shoot us an email and let us know how that goes. I need the outcome. I need closure. Yes. (laughs) Okay. We have another listener who works at an athletic specialty retail store and wants to remain anonymous. So here's what she has to say. Our company is updating our sexual harassment policy and dress code came up as part of this discussion. While we are reworking the dress code, I want to find language that doesn't put more of a burden or more restrictions on any particular gender. Uh, We are a fairly casual work environment, but still want to look professional. But that can mean different things to different people. So what advice can you give us for drafting a fair and inclusive dress code in the workplace? Kita, any ideas? If you you have to put parameters on it because like business casual is such a broad term. Right. And think when I think of an athletic retailer, I'm assuming if you're in a retail store, you're wearing some type of uniform or like there's some you know, khaki slacks, red shirt or whatever it is. But I think we have to like give examples without coming across as um, on an attack. Mm. Like, okay, skirt length, the, the appropriate length of a skirt is the, the here are the inches, right? Mm. Now, in, coming in just under six foot, that may not work for me. But just like the being clear about what that uh, what appropriate means in that space. Yeah. I can understand if you're working in an athletic retailer that you're going to be bending and grabbing things and you may have to demo products. So you probably don't want to wear uh, something that with the wrong movement, it's it's it shouldn't be your breakaway pants. You yeah. know, it, it should not be your magic mic pants. <laughs> on that day <laughs> you know, like, save those for home don't, don't, uh, yeah, I'm talking about the guys don't wear your magic mic pants <laughs> that's just uh, a good rule for life a I rule think. for life yeah wear your breakaway pants to work so can you can you do your job in this look right yeah so like I know that um as much as I like to wear a party frock 
uh, it's it's not always uh, gonna work for th- if I'm running around, you know, uh, transitioning from entrepreneur to employee every day. I can't wear a, a dress with tool and sequins on it because I'm gonna get snagged. Something's gonna ride up. People are gonna get flashed. It's gonna mm-hmm. be a bad experience for all parties involved or a good experience. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, depends on if I'm your. I company. like the idea of function though. Yeah. I mean, I was reading about there's actually the human rights campaign mm-hmm. um, has a whole bunch of guidelines for writing inclusive dress codes, which I I mean, it was it was a really interesting kind of internet wormhole to go down. And it turns out that um, one of the things that they talk about, and I found this really helpful, is like, it's so it's not so much about the language you use. I mean, yes, staying away from like, you know, sort of like women have to wear dresses, men have to wear pants, like that kind of gender stuff. And is you know, they don't like that. But it's about the enforcement. Like, that's really where it comes in. Like, if there's you know, like shaming people for wearing the wrong thing is not the right thing to do. No. Measuring skirt length or pointing out spaghetti straps, like that's not the right thing to do. So um, it might be helpful to have a group conversation about what is the most functional group of clothing that you can all wear mm-hmm. and then talk about how to enforce that dress code and maintain it in a way that feels positive. So the code itself isn't the most important thing, according to what I've read. It's really how leadership enforces that, which, you know, somebody who went to Catholic school with a dress code for 12 years makes a ton of sense to me. Okay, so here is our last email, guys. Ooh. I know. It comes from Candace. She works in biotech here in Seattle. And um, I thought her question was was a tough one. I'm curious to know what you guys have to say about it. So Candace wants to know about what happens after, quote, you left a job early because you couldn't take the harassment. You didn't pursue legal action. You just left. And Candace continues, I'm positive I'm not the only one who's done this. So what are some things you can do to first heal and then second to explain to future employers your short stay at that job versus just leaving it off the resume altogether. So it's like, how do you recover from that? And then how do you spin it to future employers? That little blip on your resume. I've personally lived this one. Um, So I think for personal healing, understanding that that was not about you. That was the perpetrator the culture that was their problem yeah and that um not to take that feeling with you right so um and then you know get the support you need around that and if that's getting some talk therapy whatever uh do what you need to do to heal and no it's not you right um what i think in terms of how i've approached it and i don't know if this is like broad stroke advice um in the uh, early in the recruiting process, when you're actually talking to the recruiter and or HR manager, whoever's kind of reaching out to you, I would share that with them because that's private information. Right. So, like, I can say this is the reason I left and keep it real high level. So you're not uh, bashing your fu- your past employer. So you're not creating a, a, a legal scenario that you can't walk it back from. Uh, but letting them know I experienced some unconscious bias that made me uncomfortable. The organization was not in a position to change. So I decided to take my talent elsewhere. I love that. And practice it. Yeah. In the actual interview, if you're on the spot with the uh, hiring manager and they ask you what happened, 
know that you don't have to share that information for one thing. Like legally, you don't have to share that. Right. But um, practice your message points. Hmm. Like I was looking for a better opportunity. What I thought the role was going to be versus what it played out to be are two very different things. And I wanted to explore other opportunities and practice it. Practice landing the plane on that one. What are your message points around it? Because every no one wants to hear the messy story, right? right? You, like the your resume is to get you the interview. The interview is to get you the job. Mm. And like that's the the messy details is a conversation to have with your friends, yeah. right? In that scenario, um, do some practice interviews. Like if you if you've had to leave. I am pointing at Kita because I love that so much. Oh, my God. Practice, practice interviews, interviews with your friends, but also like apply for stuff you're not really interested in so you can practice it in a real world scenario um, and, and just like work through it, like have your message points. And if they they press, I, I, I literally just had this a few weeks ago. I shouldn't tell everybody I'm interviewing. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was a practice. It was a practice where like, well, why did you leave? And now the the place that I left, is, it's a whole sordid affair, but they're notorious for their attrition as it comes to people of color. Mm. And that has to do with like a lot of unconscious bias. And when you report it, then suddenly you have a performance problem and you're out the door. Wow. Right. And so I just positioned it at budgets were cut. The team resources were reallocated and I was back in the job market. And this particular person interviewing me like had so many follow up questions like, well, why didn't they just do this? Why didn't they just do that? Why don't they just do this? And I'm like, I don't want to work for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because like she got like accusatory tone. And I'm like, well, that's not the way it played out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a really good point, which is that also, you know, Candace might be in a little bit more position of power than she realizes. Mm -hmm. If you have your three your points you land the plane. I'm using your language because I love it so much. But like, you know, if you if you figure out how you want to message what happened um, or why you left that job, then and the person you're being interviewed by comes back at you with all these follow up questions or in a way that you don't feel comfortable with. That's really valuable inf- information to have. Like, OK, maybe I don't actually want to work here. I mean, that's part of the benefit, I think, of an interview, especially those low stakes practice ones, is like you can learn a lot about where you might want to work or not work by doing those. Totally. I think that um, in in the, the grand scheme of interviewing, you have to know that you are interviewing the company as well. Right. And um, like asking questions about, you know, it, just like you get the scenario based questions. Yeah. You can turn that around on who's interviewing you and ask them scenario based questions mm. too. Oh my gosh. So oh my I just God. fell in love with you a little bit I for mean, saying that, Kita. <laughs> oh, wait good. a minute. They all because they always ask, Do you have any questions for us? And I have never said, Well, how do you guys handle workplace sexual harassment? <laughs> <laughs> That'll rock somebody gonna, on their heels, I'm, I guarantee. I'm gonna you. like book an interview just to ask that to report back. <laughs> like so <laughs> and when it comes to workplace harassment. Mm-hmm. Sexual harassment. How what? How do you enforce the company policy? Yeah, uh, yeah. we're not necessarily suggesting you try that. Candace. I just want to know. Yes, yeah. just saying. Yeah, you can get a feel for things, and you can get a feel for someone's management style. You can get a, a feel for the team dynamic. Mm-hmm. And if the role keeps coming up, people aren't staying in the. That's role an excellent for piece of information. Time, that is a red flag. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, okay. okay. Too good. Okay, so we have to wrap things up here. Yeah, but we do. Before we go, we have one more thing to say. Yes. So, Eula, at the beginning of the show, you said this. If you've ever had a job, you're a tactician. 
Yes, I need to affirm this. Yes, you are. (laughs) So (laughs) if you have tactics for any of the listeners whose emails and posts we read, please tell us about them. We want to share them. So join our Facebook group, BTSW Podcast. Email us at btsw at kuow.org. Yes. But also, there are so many more emails and Facebook posts we didn't get in this episode. And we want to do more episodes like this. So keep your questions and stories and show suggestions coming. They really help us make the show better. And speaking of making the show better. Speaking of. Keita Williams, that esthetician, success bully. Thank you so much for being here. We love talking to you. Thanks for having Mm. me. It's always a pleasure. Come back (laughs) anytime, honestly. Yes. Yeah. So Jeannie and Keita, in this long uphill battle of fighting sexism at work, I'm still willing to pull my load if y'all are willing to pull yours. Absolutely. Oh, hell yes. Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace is a production of KUOW in Seattle. Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, who has all the names, edited this episode. Mm -hmm. You also have all the good ideas. (laughs) Our producer is the marvelous Myla Aina. Oh, 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 no, no. And special, special thanks to Jim Gates. Always. Always. And Brennan Sweeney is our managing producer. This podcast was inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club, written by Jessica Bennett. And our theme music was composed by Kessia Gordon. Keep up a good fight. See you next time.